Welcome to Daily Living. My name is Shirley, and here on Daily Living, we focus on our daily walk with Christ. I may use the term FOC, which means a follower of Christ. And just to go a little bit deeper, it means that I strive daily to live my life according to the Holy Spirit's teaching of the scriptures and not by man's doctrine. So if you are a babe in Christ, or maybe you're a Christian, but you've lost your way and you wanna find your way back into the Father's arms. Or you just want to have a deeper, more personal walk with Christ. Or you're not a Christian at all. But you feel empty on the inside. You're hurt. And everything that you've tried just hasn't been working. If that's you, then you are in the right place. I pray that God uses me as a vessel to lead you to Jesus Christ. Amen. When a newborn child comes into this world, comes out of the womb, what happens is that their body senses that there is no supply of oxygen and start to stimulating the lungs to start functioning. This manifests in the form of a cry as the baby literally asks for its first breath. Breathing is something that most of us don't even think about. It's second nature, but we all know that it is essential to life. Genesis chapters two, verses seven reads, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. The very breath in our lungs is the breath of God. Hallelujah. I can't breathe. I can't breathe is the slogan associated with the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. But when I think about that word, those words, I can't breathe, I thought of three different implications. One, in the natural, in the physical, The words 
I can't breathe are the last words of two African-American men that we know of that was suffocated while in police custody. Their fundamental right to breathe, which can't be given by no man, was taken away from them. Number two, culturally, these same words, I can't breathe, signify the oppression of the African American community for the past 400 years. And when we take the time to open our eyes and look at the other countries, we will notice that even black countries like Africa experience oppression of the black people. Number three, spiritually, these words, I can't breathe, signifies the absence of the Holy Spirit, the breath of life. This is a cry for help, a cry to our Father in heaven. In this episode, we are going to discuss this season that we are in right now. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of rioting. And there's also a lot of people that are still on the sidelines. We're going to talk a little bit about the season that we are in. I want us to look at how the enemy operate. We're gonna dive a little bit on the plan of the enemy and how we ought to respond as followers of Christ. Many followers of Christ or the church, I should say, um, struggle with how to stand during this current state of protest and rioting that has been spreading all around this nation. Let me just make myself clear before I move forward. I do not condone violence at all. I don't condone the looting. I don't agree with that. But I agree with peaceful protesting to make a stand against the injustice. In the past, the church have been staying quiet on touchy subjects like this one. I've had people approach me and advise me to not get too involved, don't speak too much on this topic.
I was listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes the other day and he said something that really moved me. He spoke about the parable, the Good Samaritan. And this is a story where Jesus was given a parable about a man that was robbed and stripped and beaten and left on the side of the road. And then he said that a priest passed by and saw him and moved over to the other side of the street and kept walking. Then he said a Levi, which is when we look at the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi were the ones that the priest were, um, they were the ones that were the priests that took care of the tabernacle of God. So we're talking about the Levi now walking by, sees the man, and also moves over on the other side of the street. Then it talks about the good Samaritan. The Samaritan guy came in, saw the guy, and helped him, helped clean him up, you know, um, took him to a, a hotel, paid for it, and just made sure that the guy was taken care of. And what he was saying in this is a lot of times we focus on the good Samaritan. We focus on the guy that helped, but we don't really focus on the priest and the Levi that saw him and walked past him. A lot of us do that. And it doesn't mean that we are bad people it's just that we have to kind of come out of this way. We need to um, come out of this, this um, religious way of being and watching those that are in need, but looking away. And I thought he spoke, it spoke volume to me because what he said is that most Christians believe that unity must be achieved by silence. Powerful. And the other thing that he said is that our silence is abuse. Powerful. Beloved, we must learn how to discern the times that we live in right now. It is important. Ecclesiastes chapters 3 verses 7 reads, A time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. The thing is, is that I'm not okay with what happened. I'm not okay with all the other stories that happened. I don't know what changed, and I think God has something to do with it, but we're no longer numb to these stories. Because what I realize is the lies 
of our black brothers matter. The lives of our black sisters matter. The lives of our children, our cousins, our neighbor, our friends, our loved ones, they matter. They matter. The other thing I thought that was powerful in the story of the Good Samaritan, for a long time, black people stood up, we went out and we marched about the injustice that we have to subdue on a regular basis. And it always falls on deaf ears. Just like in the story of the Good Samaritan, the guy that was hurt, bruised, and left for dead was a Jew. His fellow people, a Levi, a priest, walked by past him. But who came to help him was a Samaritan. Now, when we look in the New Testament, we see, and when you really study the scriptures and, and read up about the Samaritans, we learn that the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. That's the reason why the lady at the water well, when she was talking to Jesus, she said, do you know who you're talking to? I'm a Samaritan woman. They didn't talk to each other. Sometimes we're so focused on who we think God is going to send to help us that we overlook. We overlook what God is doing in our lives. Because it was a Samaritan guy that felt passion and pity for him and helped the injured guy on the floor. So for me, when I look at what is going on, I realize that this whole time we have been protesting out of anger, but this whole time we needed to come together to stand. We needed to come together because the lives of human beings matter. Because no matter the color of your skin, you have the breath of life. The, the breath in your lungs comes from God. So yes, the lives of our black men, the lives of the black people, the black community, it matters. So we must speak up. Now, I wanted to look at some scriptures of the man of God, and I want to talk about 1 Kings chapters 22, verses 1 to 7. 
For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. During the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, Do you realize that the town of Ramath Gilead belongs to us, and yet we've done nothing to recapture it from the king of Aram? Then he turned to Jehoshaphat and asked, Will you join me in battle to recover Ramath Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops. My horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat added, But first, let us find out what the Lord says. So the king of Israel summoned prophets, about 400 of them, and asked them, Shall I go to war or should I hold back? They all replied, Yes, go right ahead. The Lord will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. In this story, we see how kings have always consulted a man or a woman of God before making any political decision, move, before going into war. If we look at the story of Elijah, Elijah went to the kings. You look at the story of Samuel. Samuel consulted Saul. The entire, his entire um, time that he was um, ruling. So we see these men and women of God being placed in position to speak according to the according to the Lord there is an entire book dedicated to those people of God called the book of judges a judge in the old testament was a gifted individual that God raised up to lead to exercise all governmental powers during their time in office. Most were military leaders. There were a total of 12 appointed men and women of God that were raised to lead the people in time of oppression and hardships. One of the popular stories of a judge is the story of Samson who was gifted with supernatural physical strength. The people of God spoke up when there were injustice. 
the people of God spoke up when there were oppression. In the book of Acts, chapters 4, verses 1 to 3 reads, The religious leaders and the leaders of the house of God and some of the religious group who believe no one will be raised from the dead came to Peter and John while they were talking to the people. They were angry because Peter and John had been teaching the people and preaching that Jesus had been raised from the dead. So they took them and put them in prison until the next day because it was evening. And I'm reading this to show that the man of God, the, the man of the Bible, the people, the disciples, they always, they always spoke up inside of oppression, of, of injustice, inside of when it came time to preach the gospel. And the Lord tried to warn them and warning us also. Because Matthew chapter 10 verses 19 says, But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it at that time. You will be given what to say. I'm not saying to go out there and join the riots. I'm saying that let's not be silent. Let's not be silent. Then some Jews in Acts chapters 14 verses 19 came to Antioch in Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. When I think about what is going on now and what I'm getting from a lot of people, you know, stay indoors, you know, stay safe. And I go back and I think about the book of Acts and I see that in this verse, you know, these people were being locked up. They were being jailed for what they believed, for speaking out. Um, Paul got stoned. They dragged him out of the city because they thought he was dead, but he wasn't. I think about what they had to endure. Not that we need to endure the same thing, but sometimes I think we are on the sidelines. Sometimes I think that we are walking by uh, injured men and crossing the street. If you have not been made aware of this, it's time that you know that we are in the last days, beloved. We are in the last days. 2 Timothy verses 3 verses 1 to 5 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Does that look like something that you see that's happening now? Because I can see it. Lovers of money is a big thing right now. Lovers of self, proud. We see this happening right now. Daniel's chapters 12 verses 4 reads, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. We have an influx of knowledge right now. So much knowledge, so much information that it actually causes confusion. Because everybody has a voice. Everybody has an opinion. You can find people that will back up and relate and co-sign even the most ridiculous things. Knowledge shall increase. Matthew chapters 24 verses 6 reads, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. That's Matthew 24, 11. There are so many prophets right now. I myself have encountered false prophets where the Lord, where I had to pray against whatever agreement I've made through speaking to them. Luke chapters 21 verses 11 reads, There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence, and there will be terror and great signs from heaven. The earthquake activity all around the world has been increasing over the years. One time I was googling and getting more information about earthquakes and what I didn't know, know was that there are so many countries all around the world that's experiencing more frequent earthquakes than ever. My hometown in Haiti, Guaman, had their first earthquake in how long I think maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, and they just had another earthquake a couple days ago. This has become a more frequent thing. Pestilence, viruses, this pandemic. Many 
Matthew's chapters 24 verses 12 reads, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Does that sound familiar to you? Matthew verses 4 Matthew 24 verses 4 to 5 reads, And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. There are so many people. There are people now that claim that they are the Christ and they do have followers. And I've watched videos of several gentlemen that said that they are the resurrected Christ and they have come and people actually believe it. This is happening today, right now. Matthew verses 24, chapters 24 verses 37 says, For where the days, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the same way it was in the days of Noah, it will be the same when the Son of Man comes back. That tells you we need to study more about Noah, the story of Noah, huh? So we can have an understanding of what to look for. Because I tell you, we're not that far off. Matthew chapters 24, verses 33 reads, So also, when we see all these things, we know that he is near at the very gates. We know that he's near. Imagine this. In the movies, when someone runs in a leap to save someone from being ran over by a car, the one running can die to save the life of the other. And the thing is, is that the person that's about to be ran over, a lot of times are oblivious to the fact that they're even in danger. So ask yourself this question. What is so dangerous? What is so grievous that a holy God, a pure God, will leave his throne to come down and die for our sins so that he can save us? Have you thought about it that way? Because we don't see what's really coming. So what would cause 
a holy God. To come run and leap to save us. How bad is hell that he went to that extent, that extreme, so that we could be saved? 1 Peter chapters 2 verses 24 reads, He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Amen. Repent. Repent, my brothers and sisters. If your heart's not right with God, don't wait until it's too late. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Get your affairs in order, because Jesus is coming soon. The Bible says that we don't know the time, the hour, the day when Jesus comes. He's going to catch you and whatever it is that you're doing. Don't let the master come and find you doing things that you have no business doing. Get your heart right. Ask for repentance. Surrender your heart. Surrender your life to him. We need to repent. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 to 12 reads, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When we look at the word scheme here, in the first verse, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. The word scheme here is defined as a large-scale systematic plan or arrangement for attaining some particular object or putting a particular idea into effect. That's the definition. Now, it means that it means a plan of action, a strategy, a course of action, a design, a tactic a device, measure, a move. See, the enemy has a strategy. He always does. So we have to remember that we are fighting an invisible kingdom and we're in the way that we fight is not by getting angry or trying to physically fight anybody. We fight by getting on our knees. That's how we fight.
In the Michael Jordan documentary, they talked about the Jordan rule. This was a formulated strategy that the rival team created to ensure that Michael Jordan would not be able to make shots, thus resulting to them losing the games. And for years, the, the team in Michael Jordan, they struggle against that rule. One of the reasons why Jordan was considered so great was because of the record time that he would remain airborne while making a shot. It was recorded that he can stay up in the air for 92 seconds. That's over a minute where he would stay up in the air. And the people joked around saying that he can fly, which presented a problem for the rival teams. So one of the rival members was explaining, he was describing how they came up with the Jordan rule. And the plan was simple. They knew that once Michael was in the air, they could not stop him. So simply put in words, one of the rival team members said, the plan was to stop him from taking flight. Hmm. They wanted to stop him from taking flight. Beloved, the enemy works in the same way. The enemy wants you to stay grounded. He wants you to stay in your feelings. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to be in your emotions because if he keeps you there, he will stop you from taking flight. And how do we take flight? We take flight by walking by the spirit. See, the enemy knows that when you are walking by the spirit and you have overcome, you have overcome your fleshly desires, you've overcome your feelings, you don't let that stuff shake you or move you. He knows that he is powerless. He has no power over you. So how he try to control you is by keeping you in your emotions. So just like this Jordan rule, the enemy has the FOC rule. He has rules. He has a strategy to keep you in your emotions because he's betting on you getting upset and acting accordingly. And this is not to say that we shouldn't be angry. This is not to say that it's wrong to be upset. It's okay for us to feel these emotions. It's important to deal with these emotions in a healthy way. But we must be strategic in how we act based on those feelings and not allow the enemy to use this against us. We watch a white man 
kneel on the neck of a black man, which to me is a representation of the oppression of the people for 400 years. We watch a human being take the life of another human being with no care or remorse. The God we serve is a God of justice. Exodus chapters 3 verses 7 reads, The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them cry out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. When the people were in Egypt, they cried out to the Lord. And look at what God did. He delivered them from Egypt. This is a time for us to cry out to the Lord. If you're upset, if you're angry, if you want to speak up, the way that we do it, because we know that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, we do it on our knees. We get together and we pray. Pray against the things that's happening. Pray against the evilness that's happening in this world. Pray against the strategies, the schemes, and the plans of the enemy. That's what we do. We don't need to go out there and riot. We don't need to do all of that. We can still speak up and stand, but we also need to remember that our power, our warfare, is not carnal. The strength that we have is with God, with the Holy Spirit, because we recognize that there is an individual, an, an invisible kingdom that we're fighting against. And we also understand that we have an invisible army that's backing us up, that's waiting for us to give out the command to set forth. So if you want to go and have peace, peaceful protest, by all means, do it. But don't forget, we need to pray. We need to be on our knees. We need to raise up the people. We need to ask for mercy. We need to ask for healing. We need to ask for deliverance. Because the enemy is working hard out there. And he has a plan. But our Father in Heaven has an even bigger plan. Matthew chapters 18 verses 20 reads, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Whenever we come together in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He will be there with us. He will be among us. This is a time to seek the Lord. This is a time to get on our knees and seek his face, seek his protection, seek his guidance, and pray for the nations. Pray for the world that they would wake up. Pray that God work on their hearts 
so that when we go out and do the work that God has mandated for us to do, which is to preach the gospel to the entire world, that their hearts will be ready to receive those words and they too can be healed because Jesus already did everything for us. On the cross, he said, it is finished. That means he did his part. We just have to receive him and accept him in our hearts. I pray for healing for those of you that are hurt, for those of you that are angry. I pray that the Lord touches your heart and he deals with the anger. He deals with the hurt that you're feeling because I'm there too. And this whole thing makes me want to stand up and go out there. But I understand that whatever I do, it's going to be on my knees praying. I'm going to go out there, but I'm going to pray in that area. Because the enemy has a plan, like I said before. I watched this one video that showed that people are actually out there doing all type of crazy stuff. Our presence needs to be known because we're entering in a time where it's going to be darker. The enemy is going to be working and, and be more visible. So we as light need to shed our light on the darkness. We need to stand together and we need to start praying. We need to start you know, praying for healing and deliverance and guidance. Pray for the leaders in your town. Pray for the leaders of the country. This is because this is the time to cry out to the Lord. And just like in Egypt, just like in Egypt, when he heard the cry of his people, he will hear our cry. And because he's a God of justice and because he's a God of of vengeance and because he's a protector a provider he will come and protect us he will guide us he will keep us he will give us provision in this time so if you realize and this time right now makes you fearful and you realize that you do not have your affairs in order you realize that you have not repented and you need Jesus in your life. Why don't you say this prayer with me? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son and I believe that he died for my sin and that he was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven and is alive today. I choose to follow, obey and accept your son Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. I really pray, beloved, that you sincerely said this prayer. And if you have, then welcome to the body of Christ. You are saved. 
I pray that this message bless you as it has blessed me. Until next time.